Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Imagine this. You have a strong sense of spirituality. You go through your life with a sense of God's presence, or perhaps just a sense that there is some holy mystery that you can't quite put your finger on. You have roots in the church, in some church, so you know the Christian story and find it uniquely compelling. It is compelling, this idea that God is a God who cherishes humanity and invites humans into relationship with God over and over again. That God is a God who brings slaves out of bondage and calls us to follow paths of justice. This God is a God who cares as much about real-world circumstances as about any vague spiritual realm. A God who shows up and brings hope in the midst of despair. Imagine you are a deeply spiritual person who finds the Christian story particularly compelling. But you run into churches that tell you you have to believe particular things in a particular way or you don't fit. Maybe even worse, maybe you find churches that tell you you are bad because you don't believe the right things in the right way. So you have your spirituality. You find your heart stirred by the Christian story like nothing else. But human-made institutions and doctrines seem to put up enormous barriers that get in the way of calling yourself Christian. And then you find a book by Marcus Borg. And Borg's writings capture the very things about the Christian story that you find compelling. But Borg manages to clear away the rules that have gotten in your way. Borg writes in a way that shows the Christian faith as deeply spiritual, profoundly open-hearted, and multifaceted in a way that offers multiple interpretations and entry points. And after years of feeling conflicted and maybe even rejected, you breathe a sigh of relief and say, yes, I am a Christian. I can call myself Christian. A colleague of mine told me the story of her, th her faith journey the week before last, after we learned of the death of Marcus Borg, and it sounded very much like what I just described. That doesn't happen to be like my story. I was unusually lucky in that I never encountered churches with rigid doctrines or rules as I was growing up. I only heard about such churches secondhand. But my colleague is not unique. As I've read tributes to Marcus Borg online in the wake of his passing, I read comments over and over again from people who say things like, I am a Christian because of Marcus Borg. Today is the final sermon in this series I have been doing on Jesus. And as I have said, this series has been significantly shaped by Marcus Borg's work, and most particularly by his book, Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time. 
Marcus Borg describes Jesus as a teacher of alternative wisdom and a social prophet and a movement founder. These are characteristics of Jesus I explored in my previous sermons. These characteristics are very important to my own faith. I definitely gravitate to a faith that challenges what is wrong with the world, a faith that challenges damaging conventional wisdom and social norms that reinforce an unjust status quo, a faith that challenges economic and political structures that maintain that status quo. I long for a faith that is as much a movement as a religion, a movement for social change. Borg tells us that who Jesus was does in fact shape the Christian faith to be a faith that challenges what is wrong in the world, and that Jesus calls us to be a part of that. All of that is important to me. But I don't need Christianity for that. I'm glad that the Christian faith, as I understand it, and as Marcus Borg understands it, is consistent with all of that. But I could find that through a compelling, justice-seeking movement for social change. And such movements are alive and well in our world, even though it is still always an uphill battle against injustice. So I don't need Christianity for that. I need Christianity because I deeply believe in God and sense God's presence in the world. I need Christianity because I need direction and community to support my spirituality. I need Christianity because it gives me language and images and practices for relating to God, for experiencing spirit, for attempting to put words to the holy mystery. And Jesus himself is at the heart of how Christianity can provide these things. Jesus was definitely one who had a relationship with God, a constant and intimate relationship with God. Jesus experienced the presence of spirit and found words to convey and interpret this to his followers. Marcus Borg says, Jesus' relationship to the spirit of God was the central reality in his life, the source of all that he was. This is the final characteristic of Jesus that Borg identifies, Jesus as a spirit person. Borg uses this phrase spirit person to mean a spirit-filled person, a person through whom the power of the spirit flows. Borg says that most cultures across history have acknowledged spirit people in some way. He offers the example of the Native American shaman as one illustration. The Gospels definitely paint a picture of Jesus as a spirit-filled person, a person through whom God's spirit flows. The stories of Jesus' baptism, for example, recount that Jesus had a vision of the spirit of God at that time, that God's spirit descended on him, almost like a dove. Luke's Gospel states that Jesus was then full of the Holy Spirit. In John's Gospel, it is John the Baptist, rather than Jesus, who sees the Spirit of God descend on Jesus, 
which confirms for John that Jesus is uniquely connected to God's Spirit. Immediately after his baptism, the Spirit drove or led Jesus into the wilderness. So Jesus was one who followed the direction of God's Spirit. Jesus' time in the wilderness is sometimes described like the experience of a vision quest. Whatever it was, for Jesus, it was an experience of the spiritual practice of fasting and an experience of some kind of vision. Over and over again, the Gospels tell of occasions when Jesus prayed. He often retreated to a quiet place alone to pray. It seems that Jesus often chose to get out into the wilderness, as in our reading from Luke's Gospel today, where we find him hiking up the mountain. So Jesus would retreat to pray. And according to the Gospel accounts, Jesus could spend hours in prayer. Sometimes he prayed all through the night. He prays when he needs to restore himself in the midst of demands pressing on him. He prays when he is offering healing to those who need it. He also talks about prayer, whether when teaching his disciples to pray, offering guidance, or when calling hypocrites to account for, as he says, heaping up empty phrases. One piece of what I find so compelling in the portrait of Jesus that emerges from the Gospels is that he seems to be in near constant communication with God. Sometimes Jesus talks to God almost the way an extrovert talks to a spouse or to a friend, simply as a constant conversation partner, on hand to hear about the ups and downs of the day or to speak out loud some inner thought. Jesus seems to be in constant conversation with God about what he was seeing and doing, about what was going on around him, about his own journey. This is a model for spirituality that can apply to us all, turning to God over and over through the course of a day, simply to converse about whatever is on our mind. Jesus' spirituality also was not limited to his own intimate relationship with God, to his own experience or practice. Jesus cared about his followers' relationships with God, his followers' faith. Jesus believed that faith makes an enormous difference, that our relationship with God makes an enormous difference. He said that just a bit of faith, a bit as small as a mustard seed, could make as big a difference as to move mountains. He said that Peter sank down in the water when his faith wavered, as if faith could empower a person to walk on water. So Jesus, this person who embodied the Spirit of God, this person who was so intimately related to God, this person whose spirit was visible and compelling to those around him, this Jesus showed us and taught us that we too can have a deep and intimate connection to the Spirit of God. Marcus Borg said that Jesus' relationship to the Spirit of God was the central reality of his life. This rings true for those of us who know the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. But beyond being a truth about Jesus, it is an invitation to us. 
It is an invitation to each one of us to make our relationship to the Spirit of God the central reality in our lives. Because I am convinced that it is God's Spirit that sustains and inspires us for whatever we might be and do. I hope that part of what we here have in common is our love for Jesus, our sense that Jesus' story is uniquely compelling, that the life and teachings and ministry of Jesus offer a particular hope for our lives and our world. I certainly hope that the end of this sermon series is not the end of the conversation. I hope you will continue your own conversations about who Jesus is to you. I hope you can say with confidence who Jesus is to you and why you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Amen.